Welcome to Har for Chabad podcast, a project of the Klein Jewish Academy. In this podcast, we take ancient Jewish wisdom and make it relevant. Each podcast includes insights culled from Jewish traditions and ideas and helps give practical ideas on how to incorporate them into your daily life. We're going to talk about Shabbos, the Sabbath. Uh, you know, we all know the Sabbath is a day of rest. Uh, it's a day when you're off from work, you know, you spend quality time with the family, with the friends and, and the community. Uh, and we're going to just ask some basic questions, you know, why do we rest on the Sabbath? And, and what does it mean by rest? I mean, when we talk about rest, uh, you know, there's, there's different definitions, I guess you would say. I mean, certainly the rabbi, uh, Sabbath is a, is a busy day for him, you know, running the services and, and all, uh, and, and, you know, then having time to spend with the family and everything like that. Um, you know, some, some people define rest as, you know, just being able to take that nap. But uh, we do a lot more on, on the Sabbath there. So why this why this seventh day of the week there? Because God created the world in the six days and rested on the seventh. Uh, so therefore, he instructed us, the Jewish people, to do the same. You know, we work for six days and we rest on the seventh. You know, we we sort of you know accept that. I mean, that's you know sort of the school. Uh, child uh, interpretation of it and on the surface it seems reasonable but it's it, you know you know the sabbath isn't isn't just a, a reprieve from six days or five days at work um if it were the only commandment then would be to rest and relax but you know we, we uh you might go to services in the synagogue there you know you have to have all these preparations in advance so you have these meals with family and friends um you know people study torah read the psalms uh a, a variety of uh religious oriented uh reading and studying um so it, it's not just about resting up not about just you know taking that nap or or just chilling out um you know we say that god worked for six days and rested on the seventh but when we say that we're anthropomorphizing god yeah, you know, humans rest because we grow tired. Um, you know, uh, some of us, you know, have to get up really early to get to work, and uh, you don't get that much sleep if you, yeah, you know, depending on yeah you know, what you're doing the evening before. So, you know, resting for the Sabbath would mean you know sort of sleeping in at least. And, and I guess we do a little bit. <laughs> we don't have to leave until nine o'clock. Um, but why did God need to rest? You know, uh, was God tired out from doing the rest of creation? Um, and we also can't call the Sabbath the holy day. Now, a day of rest and a day of holiness are, are somewhat contradictory, really. You know, days of rest you might consider, you know, casual, relaxing, uh, vacationing at a beach resort, for example. So those are relaxing days, days of rest. Uh, they're not really holy days. A holy day, yeah, talks about uh, you, you get the uh, implication of you know again 
going to synagogue, uh, maybe meditating, not really the same connotation as the day of rest. So how can it be that Shabbos is a holy day and the day of rest? And the other question would be, yeah, what makes the Sabbath holy? Yeah, some people might answer that last question by saying that God declared the Sabbath a holy day, and you know, which work is forbidden. So, uh, so it became holy. But uh, the, the, this first uh, reading uh, doesn't uh, really uh, jive with that. I'll do this. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, for on it he rested from all his work. So this is the end of creation, the actual act of creating. God's last act was to bless the, the Sabbath and make it holy. And why did God make it a holy day? Well, it tells us here in this, this text that is because he rested. So again, this sort of contradictory connotations of rest and holiness. Yeah, there's something holy, apparently, about God's rest. And uh, and that rest rendered the Sabbath holy. What can that be? And that's what we'll talk about. And let's go to the next text. And we'll start with Melissa. All right. I don't see okay. it yet. Oh, really? No. Huh. I don't know why. Um, is it in the book? Oh, yeah, yeah. Text two. Okay, let me get the book. Okay. Michael, your screen shows text seven very big. You want to press next and see if it goes to normal. It's just showing text seven or something really, really big, really enlarged. Yeah. Oh, um, but really? Do you, do you have a slide bar in the lower right hand corner? Because uh, it slides back down. Right? Maybe it's smaller. Yeah, maybe stop sharing and then restart sharing and see what happens. Okay, uh, let's see. Let me. Hello, where are you? Oh, okay. Sharing. Yeah, I see. Four. I see you, myself. Um, I see Schusterman and Derek Ackerman. Yeah, am I, I see. Am I in the wrong place? No, no. Uh, I'm trying to get it back on. Um. Okay, text what? What's the number? Text two. 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 Let's see if that works here. Okay, I brought it back. Is that better? Do you see it now? Oh, yeah, I can see it. Uh, uh, Mike, this slide bar, yeah, I can make it bigger here. Okay, now we'll make it bigger. What was the world lacking? Rest. Along came Shabbat, along came rest. With this, the work of creation was completed. Yeah, you would have thought that God would have created the final item of creation on Friday afternoon, and then the world would have been complete. But again, the world was lacking rest, according to this text. So this is a critical piece of existence was this rest. So how did God introduce rest? <laughs> he did it by resting. So the final act of creation, sort of ironically, I guess, was accomplished by stopping creating. For this six is the days. only place in the text, this is the only place in the Torah where God rests. Um, 
Well, this is, well, I don't know, this is Rashi's commentary on there. No, I mean, um, it says in the, in the Torah, God rested, but does it say God rested anywhere else in the Torah? Um, I don't think it does. Probably not, no. Yeah, I mean, this was, yeah, this was the last act of creation was done by stopping creating. <laughs> So it, it means that for the world to be complete, God had to reverse direction and stop acting. You know, by not creating, creation was completed. Okay, so how does resting on Sabbath uh, fit into this? You know, God, who doesn't really need to rest, is rest it to introduce rest into the world and, and, and creation. Okay, so there's, I mean, a basic axiom, I guess you could say, of a Jewish belief is that God is infinite, God is everywhere, and God is everything. So if God's everywhere and everything, how could he create something new? You have two problems here. <laughs> if everything is God, how could anything exist that's not God, that's outside of God? Um, and then even if you could find a way to make something outside of God, where would you put it if God is everywhere? <laughs> this actually reminds me uh, I was in, uh, I think, sixth grade. And uh, that year, the cover of Time magazine had the, the banner, Is God Dead? It just turned out that uh, in school, we had to write uh, a short speech, you know, maybe like a five-minute speech or whatever. And I decided to write it on that topic. So I went through this, well, whatever sixth grade type of logic it was that, you know, if God's dead, then we would be dead. So we'd be living in a dream world. And if we're living in a dream world, you know, how, how could we die? And when we die, what happens to us? And I ended up concluding that when we die, I guess we become alive. And how could a dead person become alive? So uh, we have these logical conundrums uh, elsewhere, too. The Kabbalist uh, offered a, an answer to this question of how there could be room uh, for something apart from God. And they have this concept that's called simsum uh, that can be translated as concealment. So God concealed himself and made space for, well, our universe and, and us. It's not, when we say concealment, that's not the same as removing himself. He just concealed himself. He hid himself from uh, regular reality, the mundane world. Yeah, God still fills this space, and there is nothing but God in this space. And we've talked about this in, on various uh, occasions that, you know, our, our soul is a part of God. So God fills us as well. Um, you know, if we were able to see this, you know, you, you would point somewhere and you would know that you're really pointing at God because everything depends on God for its existence. And if we took this awareness to the, to the yeah, nth degree, we would cease to really exist as an individual. We would just picture ourselves as extensions of, of God. 
you know, not as a, as a independent human being. So in order to have us function as individuals, God concealed this truth from us. He, he hid from us via this concept, this symptom. So if we don't see it, we can operate and function as if, you know, that, you know, God isn't existing where we are in the same space. And they came up with an, an analogy from, from regular life. You know, the sun's light on an average day enables us to see, but on a very sunny day, the brightness of the light actually obstructs our sight. You know, in other words, the, the you know, regular moderated light, as they put it, um, enables us to see an overabundance of light uh, impedes our sight. So what do we do on a sunny day? We don't or can't really turn off the light we put on a pair of sunglasses. Light doesn't go away, but it is somewhat concealed through the, the lenses and the, the sunglasses. And once you put on the sunglasses and you can see, you can go about your business. And it's as if there isn't that uh, overwhelming light there. We just have enough light that we, we can see and, and do our thing. And they take that to the extent that saying that in the presence of intense light, sight doesn't really exist. You know, but if the light is concealed, sight comes back into existence. The existence of sight depends on the concealment of the light through your sunglasses. The moment you remove the glasses, you know, your sight disappears. Similarly, you know, when God is revealed, his, his light or revelation is, is endless and leaves no space for you or me. So to enable our, our existence, God turned off our ability to see him or concealed his light. There's a, I guess, a similar concept in cosmology, the, the study of the origin of the universe. Um, scientists believe that this Big Bang theory is the, uh, is basically the accepted theory of the origin of of everything in the universe well in the universe what's the what's the definition of the universe the universe is defined as space and time and all its contents so everything that we can see doesn't matter whether it's you know through a, a telescope a radio telescope gamma ray detector what have you is all part of that universe. And even the, the, the vacuum between, say, stars. So Big Bang says the universe started out as a point of infinite density and zero volume, and it expanded to become the universe as we see it. Essentially, the universe expanded into itself. So here we have God that sort of, you know, concealed part of himself so that we could function. Let's read a little bit more about the, the concealment. Um, let's see. Let's see what that is. Okay, we have done that. Um, and... Um, Derek, if you would, please. God's power of restraint is the quality of whereby he 
withholds its great expansiveness and prevents it from descending and being revealed to created things, a beast. Rather than animating all of creation openly, he operates in concealment to create the impression that the created being exists independently from God, though the created being has no independent existence. Nevertheless, the restraining power of the omnipotent God conceals the spiritual life force that flows from him so as not to nullify the existence of the created being. So, you know, I was thinking, uh, you know, you're saying about uh, God's everywhere. Uh, how could uh, he do something new? I think when they say God's everywhere, that's everywhere at that point in time. And as time goes on, there's room and time to create something new. That's what I think. Okay, well, we also say that God is um, outside of time as well. Yeah, and, timeless, but still, we are in time. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, I guess cosmologically, we say time began at the beginning of the universe, at the Big Bang. And I think this is something similar that, you know, when, when uh, God creation then time started okay so what about you know the signs of life we're, we're, we're uh, one of the basic signs of life saying let me see what that is okay okay so that yeah that just talks about some some And they have the guy with his sunglasses on, trying to, I guess, drive with the with sun glare going on. Uh, okay, so one of the basic signs of life is, is movement. And uh, there's this joke about a Catholic priest, a Protestant minister, and a rabbi are discussing what they would like people to say after they die, and their bodies are on display in open caskets. Well, that's not exactly the, the Jewish way, but um, the priest said, I would like somebody, someone to say he was a righteous man, an honest man, and very generous. The minister answered that I would like someone to say he was a very kind and fair human being. He was very good to his parishioners. And the rabbi pipes up and says, I would want someone to say, look, he's moving. So again, movement is a basic and universal sign of life. And, but we see that not all life forms uh, express their life force equally. You know, some are more animated than others. And uh, like the talk about from the Tanya, uh, what really talks, uh, you know, why? So, okay. Okay, yes, sure. The diffusion of God's light, which is the life force of creation, is not equal in all created beings in the balance of its concealment and revelation. In physical and inanimate bodies, such as stones and soil, the light is more restricted. The life force is so minimal that it can't even grow. By contrast, the divine light in plant life is less restricted. Generally speaking, there are four categories, the inanimate, the botanical, the animal, and the human. The diffusion of divine light and life force in the inanimate and plant life can't be compared to the light and force in an animal or the human. So we've talked about this again in the past that uh, our, our mission on this earth is to raise those sparks, divine sparks that exist in um, in everything, really. Um, but there's different aspects of it. You know, um, let's compare the signs of life in a stone versus those in a vegetable. Yeah, the stone is unmoving, uh, no real indication of life, force, or sparks whatsoever. 
but there's got to be a spark within that stone, otherwise it couldn't exist. But you don't see any other indication of that spark outside of the fact that it does exist. But when you look at a plant, you know, you can see more of an expression of this life force. You know, a plant starts out as a seed, it sprouts, it becomes a shoot, then it becomes, it could turn into a, a tree, which might uh, be a tree that produces fruit. So it produces its own life in there. <laughs> now let's look at the plant to the animal. The animals exhibit their life force a little bit more strongly. You know, a tree is rooted in place, can only move vertically. Animals can roam freely and have full movement. They can do things like running or jumping. They can attack uh, or they can run away from attack. You know, there's you can definitely... Uh, sense that life force in them. But now let's go to the human. Human is even a higher life form and, and exhibits more of that life for, force. We can think creatively. Um, we have free choice that we can exercise our will. We can impose our will on other people. Uh, and uh, formulate thoughts into words, uh, you know, create poetry, write novels, what have you. Humans, you know, exhibit much more of life even than the animals. But all four character categories are filled with this life force. It just differs in terms of how it is revealed. Now, the more revealed the life force, the higher the form of life. So let's get back to Simpson again. Let's see. Okay, there we go. There's the more revered, the revealed, the higher the life form is. Um, might ask if God ever reverses its symptom, you know, whether he peeks out and shows the world, here he is. Um, is there a time when something in the lower tier of life suddenly has the veil lifted and we can, and that actually raises us it to a higher sign of life? And of course the answer is yes. And we're gonna say it's, 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 it's in man. Um, So we say every week the, the world fluctuates between this higher and lower states of concealment. Uh, we're lower during the regular work week, but as the sun sets on Friday, we have that layer of a concealment that is uh, peeled away and we can become closer to God. And let's see, I'll do this one. The concept of divine rest is to refrain from Simpson as it is written, Elohim completed on the seventh day. Elohim is the name of God that represents God's capacity for restraint and concealment. Simpson. And on Shabbat, Shabbat, the Simpson implied by the name Elohim expired and God rested from the act of Simpson. Something similar occurs every week on Shabbat. On this day, God rests from the act of concealment and the divine light is revealed without the veil of Simpson, making us aware that we were standing before the king.
Yeah, the ordinary of translation of the words Elohim completed on the seventh day, you know, from the text there, is that God completed the work of creation on the seventh day. But Hasidus offers um, a, a, a deeper insight. It's not that Elohim completed the work, but that Elohim just came to a complete stop. You know, again, the, the concept of rest. And that allowed this concealment to, uh, to stop as well. And God becomes more revealed on Shabbat. So he didn't rest because he was tired. We talked about this earlier that the world was lacking rest. And though, although the world was created, it was unaware of its creator. The concealment was too good. <laughs> so the world needed to rest from concealment. So how did God give it a rest, as it were? He, he did it by stopping this act of concealment and allowed himself to become clearer to the world. So that gives us a little bit more insight into what we read in the first text that you know God rested on this day and the rest itself we rendered the, the Shabbos as, as a holy day. God rested from hiding and he was revealed, which, you know, revealing God certainly makes it a holy day. Can I ask a question, Mike? Oh, sure. I have two two things I've thought about. Is Elohim, is that the same as Elohim? Yes. Okay. Why did they put the K in there then? Is is that just a Hasidic difference? Uh, that, well, that's like we put the dash between the G and the D in, in God there. Oh, okay where we don't want to say, to use God's name in vain. Oh, okay. So they say Elohim. Oh, I never knew that. Okay. And then the other thing that I was going to say is that when I have regularly observed the Sabbath, especially when my kids were young, I did. And I did start to notice that it's not like, you know, God's there, or the Shekhinah is there, and you feel it, because I'm a very, like, feeling sensory person, mm -hmm. but in fact, what I learned is, for me at least, it's the process of observing the Shabbat in a, you know, in a halakhic way, that after a period of time, you kind of feel like, you're in some kind of a flow, like an energy or a stream where you're raised up a little bit, you know, in your spirituality. That's mm -hmm. how I sense it. And I think that's very consistent with what, we, what we're saying now. That, you know, that, that veil is, is lifted and allows you to rise <laughs> to another level Right. You know, uh, as as a person, but then you're, you're you're getting closer to God, so you're becoming more spiritual, you know, in 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 a sense. No, I think that's good observation, um, and we'll see that the one of the rebbies, uh, you know, just didn't understand why people wouldn't know that. The day is is Shabbos. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit. So on Shabbos, God rests rests from this concealment, this symptom, and allows Himself to be revealed. And yeah, so the veil is lifted, and so we can understand that this would be a holy day. On this day, the Creator is revealed, and all of creation 
creation is in a holier state. So uh, as a human being, being one of the higher life forms, you you would yeah you could uh, if you're sensitive to it you know feel that exactly. And you know it should be and you know working off of your statement, Melissa. You know it should be discernible to us on some level within ourselves. And uh, the sages actually taught that we are inherently different on the Sabbath than we are during the week. We're more in tune with our souls and more connected with God. And uh, that makes us come to the next one. Okay. Um, let's see. And who, do you remember who we're on? No. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Melissa, did you do the last one? Or no, you Derek? did. Oh, I did. Okay, so it came to me. So then, uh, okay, to you, to you, Derek. <clears throat> uh, you need you to did, get off. You did the last one. Melissa's next. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. For some reason on this Zoom, people's, people's, people move around. <laughs> yeah. So now you're under me uh, when I see it on my screen. Oh, okay. whereas Melissa so we, was before. We don't see the so. same order on the, on the thing. So, yeah, it just changes order on when I, I, I view participants. So, yeah. okay. So, Melissa, please. <laughs> this is check score, right? Uh, text six. Text six. Okay. Mm -hmm. An additional measure of soul. An additional measure of soul is given to us on Friday afternoon and is taken from us on Saturday night. This is derived from the verse on the seventh day, Shabbat Fainafash. He rested and was refreshed. These Hebrew words form an abbreviation for Kivan Shabbat Ve Avda Nefesh. Once Shabbat ends, woe, our additional soul is lost. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and people do, do feel that, like you. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, mm -hmm. yeah, you get depressed or melancholy with the departure of that additional measure of soul and so that's why we implemented this ritual at the end of Shabbat Havdalah and Derek if you can do the next there we go Our sages instituted the ritual of smelling spices at the end of Shabbat to revive the soul, which is melancholy at this time over the departure of the additional soul. We settle the soul and cheer it with a pleasing fragrance. So in Havdalah, we have uh, a variety of things going on. You have the uh, the spice box, so you, you smell spices. This is to help us. It's, it's sort of uh, more pleasant than smelling salts. Helps to revive us because we lost uh, an additional piece of salt. Uh, you have the candles and uh, wine. The, and the wine. So that's that's the reason for the spices in the Havdalah, which is done at the end of the Shabbat or a holiday. Um, and when you usher in the, the, the Sabbath, uh, people can feel a, a sense of serenity and peace. You don't have to be uh, you know, ultra-Orthodox or, or whatever, just uh, the act of lighting candles and and uh, saying prayers uh, over the lighting of the candles uh, helps to basically usher in that that 
whole feeling or atmosphere where you're receiving that additional piece of soul. Is, yeah. is there a name for that soul? Is it Avodah? Is that correct? I do not know if there's a specific name. For which soul? The, the, the Nishama Yetera, the extra soul for Shabbat? Mm -hmm. So it's, yes, it's called the Nishama Yetera. Nishama means soul. If you right. here, in English, they call it additional soul, which is how it's referred to. Mm -hmm. Yitera, Y I T E R A, right? Um, yud Taf Yud Reshe. <laughs> Yitera or Yisera, extra. Mm -hmm. Like Yoter, more than, extra. Okay. Okay. So as it says in this text, uh, a person's face is incomparably more radiant on Shabbat than the rest of the week. Uh, you are, you know, uh, lifted, you know, a Jew's more tranquil and relaxed. If we you really get into the observance of the holy day. And that's due to that extra measure of soul. But you don't have to be uh, a great sage or a very observant Jew to, um, to get that quality there. Even a, a simple Jew can experience it. And... Okay, in Warsaw, we live three houses away from the Mads Hitzer Stebel. Generally, I would go to the Mahitzer Stebel for the Suda Shlishi, the third meal of the Sabbath. They would sing all the Zemerot for the Suda Shlishi. Poor Jews would be seated around the table in the Stebel. I knew these Jews well, and I constantly spoke with them. They were sincerely pious Jews, who willingly sacrificed for their spiritual commitments. I once spoke with one of them who was that frail and short. He constantly carried heavy metal pieces, and I wondered where he got the physical strength to support this weight. His load was always tied around him with a thick cord that he totally resembled a coolie. On the Sabbath, I saw this very Jew, and I did not recognize him. He came over to me in his tattered capote. It was covered with endless patches, and even the patches had patches. Yet his face shone with the joy of the Sabbath. I recognized in a tangible fashion that a person's Sabbath countenance, count, countenance mm -hmm. is totally different than his weekly appearance. So this is true of a, a simple Jew. You know, how much is it for a, how much more so? for uh, a truly holy Jew. Um, oh, okay. Oh, so that's me. Okay, so Rabbi Yisrael of Rudson, um, he lived in the uh, first half of uh, the 1800s. He was a Hasidic master. When he was a child, his teacher taught him the Talmudic discussion about what to do if one loses count and doesn't know which day of the week is Shabbos. Young Israel was visibly perturbed and could not understand this concept. The teacher began to give examples of how a person could lose track of time. Yeah, perhaps someone was wandering alone in the desert and was lost in the forest, said the teacher. The child still was not satisfied. Why would that make a difference? If one wants to know if it's Shabbos or not, all one needs to do is look up in the sky and see the unique skies of Shabbos. Later in his life, the, the Rebbe Rudson was visited by Reb Isaac uh, Homeler. The latter watched as the Rebbe sat smoking his pipe on Friday afternoon, just before Shabbos, as was his custom. Suddenly, a moment before Shabbos commenced, the Rudsoner put down his pipe, and his appearance changed dramatically to the extent that Reb Isaac later said, 
Had I not been there the entire time, I would have thought he was someone else. I saw that he had descended above while I had remained below. This concept also finds expression in uh, Jewish law, halacha, that, that governs our conduct on Shabbos. The Jewish wedding is followed by a week of shiva brachas. That's where friends and family gather for meals for the following week and conclude with the seven blessings of matrimony that are chanted under the, the wedding chuppah. But there's one uh, caveat there. And, you know, in text 10a, we chant the blessings of the bridegroom in the presence of 10 men for seven days. Rabbi Yehuda said, only if a new face arrives. So if everyone at the meal during you know, one of these days of the Shiva Brachas was present at a previous celebration you know, during the week for this couple, blessings may not be said, repeated. They can only be chanted when there's at least one person who has yet to participate in the celebration for the couple. However, this has an exception to the rule, uh, which is Shabbos is also considered a new face. So though all, all the other people, all the people at the table were there sometime else during the week at previous celebrations, if the day is Shabbat, um, they can say the prayers and, and celebrate with a couple as if it was the first time, because the Shabbat brings something new to the to the mix here. And why is that? Um, let's go to uh, Melissa. Uh, you're on mute still. There we go. On Shabbat, there is no need for a new face, for a Jew's face is incomparably more radiant on Shabbat than during the week. <clears throat> Our radiance renews on Shabbat and confers upon us the status of a new face. The Rebbe is teaching us that Shabbat is not the new face. We are the new face because we have a different face on Shabbos. So the person that's in your body on Shabbos is a different person than the one who was there, say, on Thursday. Yeah, this is a new person with that radiance as we had in, in one of the previous texts that you know that you're, you're just much more radiant on on Shabbos. And as it says on the slide, you know how markedly spiritually superior we are because that extra measure of soul. Okay, so are there any, as it says on the slide there, any uh, um, changes to our behavior? Well, during the week when God's concealed and we don't feel his presence, the work is not only permitted, but also required. God placed us on this earth with, with a mission, so we can improve it and leave it a better place than we found it. A uh, place that's more conducive for God, you know, living, uh, abiding with us. Uh, on Shabbos, when we stand before God, it's not time to assert ourselves through work. It's a time to bask in his greatness and receive from his beneficence. Is, is generosity. And we go back to the Rebbe. 
And let's see. So we did Melissa. So now it's uh, back to you, Derek. These are the two poles that are expected of a Jew. During the six days when the Torah mandates that we concern ourselves with our material body, working is a mitzvah. Nevertheless, on Shabbat the, and Jewish holidays, when the soul is more radiant, we must transcend our body, it, its concerns, and its nature. It is self-understood that work is out of the question during these days. So we need to work the rest of the week uh, to fulfill our mission, the reason we were placed on this earth. Um, yeah. During, well, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Derek. I'm sorry. Uh, of course, the Mossad, the Israeli army, and uh, any Jew in any army would have to work on Shabbat if they were told to. Uh, I think God wants you to be loyal to your tribe, your country, whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, certainly there are exceptions. Uh, you know, uh, you know, if someone is in a life-threatening situation, we do whatever we can to, uh, to That's never, uh, never applied them. to me. <laughs> never applied to me. Because <laughs> I've never been a combatant or police or anything. Or, you know, like, but a doctor... It wouldn't be applied to a doctor, you know? That is correct. Yeah. I mean, we have Scott, the surgeon, who, who comes uh, fairly regularly to to the sa uh, Saturday morning services. But, you know, when he's on call, he's on call. Uh, he has his phone on, and, uh, it, you know, we we were warned yeah. that it might ring, and, and, and it does, and he just, you know, leaves the sanctuary, as it were, and takes the call, and sometimes he has to leave to, you know, to do surgery. Uh, so that that's fine. Uh, you're, 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 you're still doing God's work there. <laughs> you're preserving life. Uh, and certainly guarding the country is, uh, is preserving life of your, your fellow country. You know, but on, on the Sabbath, God's presence just more palpable. You know, you can you can feel that. You can plug back in and 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 connect better with God. And that really gives our our, our soul that uh, boost uh, to so that we can make it through yet another week. <laughs> So Shabbos is, is really a day of rest, but it's not a day of relaxation. It's, to, it's a day when we get that additional measure of soul and reconnect with God. It's sort of a time for a, a higher form of work, you know, making that connection and, and facilitating that connection. So it's not a passive relaxing day we have uh lots of activity going on that day prayer uh connecting with your family and friends and studying Torah. these are all things that we can do to uh make a better connection with our spiritual side You know, when you, you get this additional measure of soul, it doesn't automatically translate into feeling holier or more spiritual. Uh, some people are more sensitive than others, and they can, that may just happen for them naturally. But for most people, it's something that you have to work at to experience. So that work, as it were, uh, it includes, you know, meditative prayer, praying, you know, uh, you know, immersing yourself in study, um, you know, introspection, and uh, again, you know, 
gathering with family and friends. Uh, hopefully you don't have to work as, as it were so much for the latter. But this is not really restful. It's, it is work and you know, some people have to put uh, work hard <laughs> and put a lot into it, but it, in the end, it, it can rejuvenate us. And back to the Rebbe, I think. Let's see what we have. Yeah, so we focus more on spirituality. And then uh, I think we're up to you again. Me again? Yeah. Okay. Resting on Shabbat doesn't mean the absence of work. Not only do we work to serve God on Shabbat, but our work is also of a higher order. We must therefore conclude that resting on Shabbat means to work in a manner that is restful and delightful. That is to say, it is not considered laborious, laborious. laborious at all because it is a pleasure to engage in such work. A simple example, if we were given permission to gather as many gems as diamonds as we could, we would spare no effort in carrying the heaviest load that we could possibly lift. Though this would entail strain, toil and perspiration, it would not be considered strenuous or burdensome. On the contrary, the heavier the load, more delighted we would be. So we've answered all our questions. When we say God rested on Sabbath, we don't mean that he grew tired. We meant that he rested from concealing himself. And we understand by lifting this veil, this concealment on the Shabbos, he made it easier for us to feel his presence. And that's what makes the Sabbath day, a, a holy day. We also understand that because we feel his presence more on the Sabbath, we're forbidden to work. And finally, we understand that just as God's day of rest on Shabbat did not entail relaxing and taking a nap, so our day of rest shouldn't just be simply putting up our our feet and relaxing. It's it is a day of hard work. It's a different type of work than than what we do during the week, but it can be depending on the person and their inclinations, it can be hard work. But it's not burdensome work. It's well as the Rebbe talks about it, it's it's similar to collecting diamonds and gems. On the beach. We'll close with a, a story which uh, sort of sums things up. Uh, this is about uh, Mr. Sammy Rohr. He uh, is the Rohr Learning Institute, sponsors these Torah studies. He's from the Rohr family. Um, he, he, you know, he, he's the patron of many other Jewish causes besides the Rohr learning institute he he would tell this story when uh when he was a refugee in basel during the holocaust uh rabbi dov yehuda shkoket then uh, the rabbi of the religious community in basel invited him to join a class on psalms on shabbat morning before services this would mean arriving at the shul by 7 a.m Mr. Rohr refused, saying, I have one day a week to sleep, and you want me to come and learn. The rabbi looked him in the eye and replied, you have one day in the week to learn, and you want to sleep. It turned out that the rabbi won. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll stop there anyway. This was, uh, yeah, I just want to Accept the challenge of trying to convey some of these uh, concepts. <laughs> you know, if you ever heard of Emmanuel Shachat or Ezra Shachat or Rabbi Shachat from England, mm -hmm. these are all children or grandchildren of this Dov Yehuda Shachat. And they oh. are all 
speak exactly the same way. <laughs> they are very direct. They make me seem like I have kid gloves on all the time. So it's an interesting uh, dynamic. Okay. I guess I can stop sharing the screen there. So again, have a great week, rest of the week. This podcast is produced by Harfer Chabad and the Klein Jewish Academy. To learn more, visit harferchabad.org forward slash podcast.